Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Um, hi everyone, uh, it's really great to be here at Ivy Central this evening. So my name's Sarah Small. Some of you I recognise, some of you I don't. Um, and, uh, and so here, this is who I am, I'm Sarah. Um, I've been kicking around Ivy for the past 17 and a half years, which I know you can't believe because I am only 18 years old. No, 25, no, not even that. Um, but yeah, I came to Ivy as a student in 2001. I studied at the University of Manchester and I used to come here to this very building at 11.30 on a Sunday morning and we used to face that direction and uh, we used to sing our songs and we used to chat and then right at the end, before anyone could talk to me, I would dash out that door as quickly as possible because I was dead scared that if someone got to talk talk to me and got to know me, then I would have to start uh, getting more involved here and I'd have to start living more of a Christian life because at that time I was a student and I was having a great time being a student. Um, But eventually I went on an Alpha course after about four years of being here at Ivy and I suddenly had this amazing revelation of who God is and of what it means to follow him and I turned my life back over to him and I said, I want to follow you, I want to do this properly, I want to get to know your people, I want to get to know you and I want to spend the rest of my life Um, worshipping you and honouring you and serving you and doing amazing things for you and changing the world, if you don't mind. That's my list. And uh, so that's what I've been doing, uh, sort of, over the last uh, 12 or 13 years since I did that Alpha course. And um, so for the last six years, I've been living over on the Merseybank Estate. Oh, come on. On the Merseybank Estate. Thank you. <laughs> I got three Merseybankers on the front row, so I was hoping I'd get a bit more of a whoop than that. Um, along with Steve, my husband, and our, um, we've had our two boys since we moved there as well. And um, about six years ago as well, I was asked to be an elder here at Ivy, which was a huge privilege. Um, and that's how I've been helping to serve the church um, in different ways over the last little while. And... Um, Anthony, well, Emma actually emailed me the other day and she said, uh, Eric Delve was meant to be speaking at Ivy on Sunday night and he can't come, so would you like to fill his boots? And I was like, wow, (laughs) those are big boots to fill. Um, But I also thought, it's been a while since I've done this and um, I'd like to get back into speaking and I'd like to come and and share some things that God's been talking to me about prayer over the last little while. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight I am my prayer life is not hugely aspirational at the moment as I said I've got two boys one of whom is a baby and um, we went to spring harvest last week and he decided that he didn't need to sleep and he also got chicken pox so um, my prayer for the last about week and a half has been oh god make him sleep (laughs) and it's not been very successful if I'm being honest so that's where I am with prayer at the moment Uh, mixed results with a very um, boring prayer but um But actually, I want to tell you three things that I feel like God's been talking to me about over the past year, because we've had um, a fairly busy and crazy year or so as a family and um, as as a church as well, actually. Um, And uh, so there's been lots of things I've been involved in and I feel like God's been saying some stuff. So I'm just going to share it with you. It might not be the most neat and tidy boxed off sermon. They might not rhyme. They might not start with the same letters, um, anything like that. But this is just me sharing some stuff that I think that God's spoken to me about. Um, And if 
that encourages you, that's amazing. And if there's something I say that you engage with, that's great. And if not, just say, well, it was half an hour of my life. And we had some really great worship at the beginning. And there'll be some great worship at the end, I'm sure. So the three things I want to talk about all relate to prayer. And the first one is um, a little bit about who we pray to. The second one is about what we pray. And the third one is about how God answers the prayers that we pray. So first of all, who do we pray to and how? So I remember a number of years ago, I had a real revelation. I was reading through the Gospels, so the stories in, about Jesus' life in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And I just I felt there was a disconnect between what I was reading and understanding about Jesus and what people were telling me and what I was hearing in books and what I was seeing in the media. And I don't know if you've ever felt this before, but I was kind of reading this, the Gospels and I was hearing him say all this stuff and it was uncomfortable and it was challenging and it was kind of a bit confusing and sometimes he sounded a bit rude and a bit abrupt and a bit hard or at least a bit challenging and then and then people at church were saying but Jesus is so loving and he's so kind and he's so great and I had this kind of mixed reality picture of who Jesus was and I felt like quite often we try and make God a little bit like we want him to be rather than how he is and then and so I was at church, um, so as I said, I'm part of the team on Merseybank and we have a service on a Sunday afternoon. And we were doing some listening to God a, a number of weeks ago. And this is actually one of the most recent things that God said to me about prayer. And I felt like he said to me the word casual. And I was like, casual, casual, what, what do you mean? So I'm kind of saying to him, what do you mean by casual? Because so, prayer is not just talking, is it? it's listening. I'm not so great at listening. I'm quite good at talking. You can, unfortunately, I've passed that on to at least one of my children. The other one can't talk, but I'm sure when he does talk that he won't stop talking either. So my poor husband is, um, has to hide somewhere in quietly every now and then to deal with us all. But, um, but I felt like God said the word casual. And I feel like there are two things about this word um, that, that he's trying to raise and, and tell me about and maybe it'll encourage you as well. And the first thing is we've become or I've become casual in how I view and understand God. And in the same way that I'd been listening to stuff about Jesus and, and hearing him as kind of just this nice, fluffy, kind Jesus, rather than this powerful, challenging, cutting to the kind of heart of the matter Jesus, I feel like sometimes that's how I approach God as well. And, um, and that's... And, you know, don't get me wrong, the Bible says we're God's friends, doesn't it? It says we're, we're, it says we're God's children. It says we're dearly loved by him. We're so close to him. But actually, I think sometimes we forget in the midst of the closeness how amazing and massive and huge and powerful God is. And um, there's this verse in Hebrew, well, there's a passage in Hebrews that I, I come back to every now and then. I like it. It's quite poetic. But it just tells us um, and gives us a snapshot and a picture of who Jesus is, who God is. And um, I'm going to read it to you. If you've got a Bible, you can read along. I've not got a PowerPoint because I ran out of time um, to do that, if I'm being honest. Um, so I just thought you can focus on listening rather than on any terrible pictures that I put up behind me. Um, but it's in the book of Hebrews, it's chapter 12, and it's verses 22 to 28. And it's, the writer to the Hebrews is giving us a picture of what God is like. And um, I find it encouraging and challenging in equal measure. It says, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. 
See to it you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now, how, now he has promised, once more, I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Like there's lots of stuff in that passage that kind of is complex and you could delve into and spend hours in it, but I, just that the beginning and the end of it, you've come to God, the judge of all, Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Our God, he's, he needs and he, he, he deserves our reverence and our awe. He's a consuming fire. And so I felt that challenge when he said, you've become too casual. Remember who I am. Remember, put me in my rightful place. I'm not a sort of okay God that you can come to when you feel like it. I'm not a comfy God who just goes there, there, get on with your life and I'll make it all okay in the end. He's a powerful, challenging God. He's going to shake the world. He's going to shake everything that has been created and he's going to sift it. And what's going to be left in the final days is going to be what he's chosen and what he's made and everything else will go away. I am... recently was staying with my father-in-law and I picked up a book at his house, uh, an old Christian classic. It's called Knowing God by J.I. Packer. I'm not sure if anyone's read it, but um, I, I study, well, I have studied theology for the last three years with WTC and, um, and, uh, and for me, I, am, I do like that sort of academic pursuit and academic study, but I was reading something in this book and it kind of linked in with this, this theme about understanding God, who he really is. So I'll read you a quote. It says, knowing about God is crucially important for the living of our lives. As it would be cruel to an Amazonian tribesman to fly him to London, put him down without explanation in Trafalgar Square and leave him as one who knew nothing of English or England to fend for himself. So we are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place and life in it is disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfold, as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste your life and lose your soul. Knowing about God is essential if we want to understand the world that we live in, if we want to make sense of the things that we experience, if we want to live fulfilled. It's not just knowing about him head knowledge, it's knowing about him in order to know him fully and to be in full communion. And Ibuwa was saying that, wasn't she, when she was leading us in worship earlier. We get only really fulfilled when we're in full communion with God, with the one who created us. He created us and he wants us for himself. The second thing, when I was just praying about this word casual, um, was I felt like God said, you're casual in terms of how you approach me. Not just your view of me, but your approach to me. And I don't know if anyone else feels this, but so often my, my prayer time, my time with God is, is casual. It's just here and there. It's tidbits. It's, oh, can you just do this? Or, oh, can you just sort that? Or, oh, help that person out because they've got a bad leg. Or, oh, and it's, it's little, tiny little prayers. And they're not wrong there is a lot of value in tiny little prayers, but um, I felt like God said, 
we're not in a casual relationship here, you and I. This is not like casual dating. This is not like try it and see. This is not like we'll hang out for a bit and it's going to be really intense and then we'll not hang out for a while. He said to me, we're in a committed relationship here, Sarah. And the, um, the Bible actually uses the um, metaphor of marriage to explain our relationship with God. A committed relationship, a relationship where he has given up everything for us and all he asks is for us to give everything back to him and let him do what he wants with it and so it was a challenge to me maybe it's a challenge to you as well but we're not casually dating God if we're Christians he wants committed marriage he wants um, a covenant it talks about in the Old Testament relationship with us something that he's promised us that he wants for us so that's just a few things that I've been praying about about the God that we pray to what have I been praying about well at the start of last year, uh, so 2017, that was our year of, does anyone know? Does anyone remember? Acceleration. Good. I, can't, I won't ask you to go any further back because I can't remember. Somebody asked me a while ago, what have all the years I've been as an elder? They asked me and I thought, oh, flipping it. I had to go back through all my emails for about six years <laughs> trying to find them. My memory is not as it was. Um, but at the beginning of last year, I uh, was down in Coventry staying with my in-laws and um, that's Steve's mum and dad. And um, my mother-in-law said to me, I've got three prayer requests for this year, Sarah. And, um, and the three prayer requests that she had were that my sister-in-law would have her baby safely. She'd had this, she was having a second baby, the first baby, the birth bit had gone a bit wrong and it wasn't very nice. And she was having another one and there was lots of stress around that. The second prayer was that my other brother and sister-in-law would be able to buy the house that they'd been in limbo on for months and months and months. And the third prayer was that Steve and I would be able to have another child. And, um, and that third one in particular was looking like it wasn't being answered and we'd had lots of medical tests and things. And just before Christmas that year, I'd been sat down by a doctor who said, you're probably not going to have any more children. It's very unlikely having uh, had a good look at you. And I thought, oh thanks for that. <laughs> that was not the word that I wanted to be spoken over me, and so uh, I was not very happy about it. But, um, but anyway, Anne said to me that these are the three things I've been praying about. And literally within about four weeks at the start of the year, all of her prayers had been answered. Um, so my niece arrived safely, my brother and sister-in-law's house went through, and uh, I found out, uh, realized that I was expecting a baby. And so I just thought, what an amazing start to 2017. Like, what an amazing prayer warrior this woman is. Like, what else can I get on her list? Because clearly her list is now empty. Um, and it was all looking really great. And, uh, and I just had the small matter of writing up my dissertation for my master's to do. So I was doing uh, WTC, as I mentioned, and I decided that I was going to write... Um, uh, a thesis all about how the Pentecostal and Charismatic Church, so how a church like ours can help people who are suffering and struggling and in pain. Because sometimes we can be a bit guilty at the front and as church of saying to people, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, we don't have any problems. And if you do have problems, then soon they'll be fixed and soon it'll be sorted and it's all going to be okay. And that doesn't always leave a lot of space and room for us to really give voice to our pain and to our grief into our suffering. Um, so I was studying that and uh, I thought that was a really great sort of cerebral uh, academic line of study. And then in May, uh, so no June last year, my mother-in-law, the amazing prayer, had a stroke 
and uh, we were all a bit like, oh, right, well, she's only 62 and she's really fit and well, and um, that's not really what we expected to happen, but okay, and so we kind of adjusted ourselves a bit and we got to praying, and I remember being at Sharston uh, and uh, there was this amazing word about a river of healing and how you, to how you were to bring people that you knew were ill into this river of healing and she'd just been unwell at that stage so in like in full faith we stepped into this river on her behalf and we prayed to God and said yeah come on it's just a small thing you know just a little stroke you can sort this out you can have her back on her feet you know besides we need her we've got this baby on the way and all this other stuff going on as a family and um and our prayer wasn't answered and um and I was really, I was, and as the year went on, um, I'm writing all this stuff about pain <laughs> and feeling all this pain because she got iller and more ill and turned out she had cancer. Uh, and then it was bad cancer. And then they just stopped bothering to find out what kind of cancer it was because there was so much of it. And, um, and we got into, the, we were in this very strange scenario where I was literally bringing forth life within me. And, um, and she was basically moving very rapidly towards death. And, uh, and my prayer life at that time was was pretty messed up because I was kind of, I just, I couldn't have, I didn't have words at that time. And actually, that's when I realized that um, God hadn't, uh, hadn't sort of put me on this path of study for no reason um, because he'd, He'd, um, he'd given me and he showed me a language for some of the emotions that I was feeling last year. Um, and I, I think we're going to talk about this in a, another sermon series a little bit later on in the summer. But um, there's a whole load of uh, passages of scripture called the Psalms of Lament. And they're in the book of Psalms. And, uh, and these are words that people have spoken to God. And this is a roundabout way of me saying that God has given us words in his word for the times in life to pray when things don't make sense. So there are words like these in Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Psalm 88, verse 13 to 14. But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? Psalm 44, 23 to 26. Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. And so my knowing about God helped me to know God better because he directed me to these passages, to these words, which gave voice to some of the intense and difficult emotions that I was going through last year. And as the year went on, so the summer turned into autumn and uh, I was overdue and I just kept, I really wrestled with God at that stage and I kept saying, God, I need to have this baby because my mother-in-law is going to die and I need her to meet the baby and we can't travel when I'm this expectant because I'm not going to be having a baby on the M6. That is not my idea of a really great uh, experience. And Steve couldn't go to his mum because I didn't want him to be away from me because I wasn't going to have a baby without him. And it was, and I just kept, and, I, and in the midst of all that stuff, it forced me to give over any idea that I ever had, however stupid and misconceived that I was in control or that I had any control over anything because I had no control over the moment of birth of this child and I had no control over the moment of death of my mother-in-law. And actually, in the midst of all giving up control, I found a lot of freedom and I found that I could trust God. And we were singing again, Abu was 
was saying, we, hadn't, we haven't talked in advance about all of this, but about, you know, God didn't move the mountain, I wanted him to move, but we, we found a new level of trust in him. We found a new level, because we had no option, and if I didn't trust in him, what else could I have done? Like, I could have just screamed and ranted and railed and cried. I could have made plans, but what plans really could I make? Those two things in particular just reminded me that there is no control that we have. As much as human beings, we like to fiddle and mess with things. When it comes to those two ends of our, our lives, we don't really have any say, any say whatsoever. And I also learned that um, we, we like to think about life as a kind of upward trajectory, don't we? Especially when we become Christians, we say, you know, you become a Christian and then you're free from all your guilt and shame and then life's going to be great and it's all going to get better and then you're going to get better and then you're going to get to heaven and it's going to be amazing. But I think what God also taught me in that time is that life and death, that pain and sorrow and suffering and hope and joy and love come together and you can't separate them out in life there isn't kind of like a this is the good and this is the bad it's it's webbed in together it's woven in together it's like two tracks that hang that are here together and um the christmas letters this year were quite challenging so i had um Caleb was two whole weeks overdue, um, but Anne lived another four weeks after that, so she got to meet him, and um, I didn't have to go travelling around the country when I was in a bit of a, a newly state. Uh, he was six weeks old by the time we got to a funeral, so we kind of managed that. Um, and um, uh, what was I saying? Oh, so that, yeah, that all happened. Um, hmm, yeah. I forgot what I was totally going to say there. But anyway, that all happened, and it was challenging, and it was tough, but we were able to do it, and God did answer our prayers, and we did see him be faithful during those times. And, um, oh, yes, so the Christmas letters this year were quite tricky, because obviously there was a lot of mention of our grief as a family and our sadness and our feeling of, of why. Um, and Steve's uncle um, is an amazing man of faith, and he wrote this really wise letter to us all, and he said to us... Um, I'm not sure if it's from the Bible. I really should have checked in advance of tonight or at some point. But um, he said, uh, in the midst of life, we're in death. And in the midst of death, we're in life. And that's so much the human condition, isn't it? We don't like to talk about it because it, uh, it makes us feel awkward. It makes us feel icky. We don't want to imagine that anyone we know is ever going to die because uh, we, we, as a society, death is just such a, a taboo for us. Um, but in actual fact, I think if we did think about it more, then perhaps we'd be better prepared for when it happens. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, I just felt that was an encouragement to me. And, and to know that those two things are in God's hands is the point that I want to make. So those were some of the things that I've been praying about and some of the answers that God's been giving me and, and nuggets of, of help that he's been given. And finally, how does God answer our prayers? What kind of things does he do? So for me, I can get frustrated quite easily. I, I read the Bible, uh, I read these books, I hear people speak, you know, you go to something amazing like Spring Harvest or um, New Wine or uh, any of the conferences and you hear these incredible stories about God moves and people are healed and they all fall down and, and everyone is saved. And I just kept, kept thinking, my God, why don't you move? in this way why haven't I seen like all of Merseybank repenting on you know in tears and turning to Jesus why aren't I seeing everyone that I know who's unwell be healed why aren't I seeing everyone I know who's still waiting for Mr. Wright like flooding down the aisle why haven't I seen all these kids that we're trying to pray for why haven't I seen it why don't we see it and I, you can easily get frustrated can't you when you, you you know the promises and the power of God and you don't see it happening in real life um but what I've realized is that um, 
that God needs to change me first. Uh, God needs to work in me first. That's the bit that I can be uh, involved in. That's the bit where he can partner with me, is working in me. And, um, and he asks us to say yes to him. And in that chapter in Hebrews that we read before, it says, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. And so um, originally when I was thinking about this talk, I was thinking, I'm going to do this talk and it's going to be called How to Change the World by Prayer. (laughs) And it was going to be a whole big long talk all about you can change the world by saying yes to God. Uh, And then I thought, well, that's kind of it. (laughs) You just say yes to God. And I'm sure I could have thought of lots more things to say about it. But that's kind of it, isn't it? All All we need to say to God really is have your way in me. Jesus work in me. Jesus work through me. And actually until we're ready to let him change us, until we're ready to let him transform us from the inside out, then how can we be praying for him to transform the things external to us if we're not willing to let go of the the power and the control that we have in our own life? In John 2, chapter 5, um, they say to the people, I think it's the story of um, uh, the... um, wedding at Cana, and Mary says to the the people who are filling the water jars, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And um, and that is so much our instruction, isn't it? Whatever he tells us to do, do it. He tells us stuff, we have to do it, we should do it, otherwise he'll tell someone else to do it. I've had experience of that before and it's really annoying. (laughs) When you feel like God's given you a great idea and you're like, yeah, yeah, God, I'm going to do that, I'm going to get on with it, just as soon as I've done the thing that I needed to do. And then someone else has got that great idea and then they do it and you're like, no, that wasn't my idea. <laughs> and then God goes, well, I told you. Um, and uh, another, another book that helps us remind us of this, uh, so Steve and Gideon have been reading this together and it's the book of Jonah. He likes the idea of the fish. Quite a visual learner. In fact, Steve, that is not Gideon. And, uh, <laughs> um, uh, you know, Jonah said no to God and he ended up in the belly of a fish for three days. That was gross. That was awful. God wants us to say yes to him. And actually, this was a theme. So another thing that I thought I might do is just like bring you loads of stuff from Spring Harvest and not have to prepare, but God told me not to do that either. Um, but a lot of the stuff they were saying there was in your, in, work on the private life with God because everything comes out of that. If you're not right with him in your own time, if you're not modeling something behind closed doors, how can you come out in the community and say it? How can you stand at the front and say it? How can you uh, aspire to platforms and uh, and power and prominence if behind closed doors you're not doing what you say? So for me, uh, that was just another um, thing that God's been speaking to me about. I can answer the prayers of yours if you pray yes to me. If you say yes, change me, change change, um, change my heart. So that was just a bit of a tour de force of three things that God's been saying to me. Who we pray to and how, so not about being casual, so don't have a casual understanding of who he is and don't have a casual approach to how we come to him. Some of the things we can pray and how the fact that, that life and death and struggle and pain and joy, they all come together in a big mishmash, but he gives us the words to pray when we don't have them in his word. And actually the Bible series that we're talking about in the mornings is all about get, get back into your Bible, get reading it, get, get digesting it, because in there are the words that we need, the words of life and death. And finally, God answers our prayers through asking us to trust him, through asking us to let him have his way in us. So I wondered, um, by way of response, 
I haven't actually uh, asked anyone about this, but I'm just assuming that's fine. <laughs> um, whether we could sing that last song that we had before. Um, is that okay? Are you guys all right with that? Um, so just, um, I just thought the words were really good. And um, what I'll do is I'll pray and then we can sing those together. And, um, and we can just declare once again, whatever the situation that we find ourselves in, whether the mountains are moving for us or not, whether the rivers are, are parting for us or not, whether we're experiencing the prayer um, life that we want or the prayer life uh, or we're not as yet, um, we want to put our trust in God, don't we? That's the fundamental thing that we want to get tonight. We want to put our trust in him and we want him to have his way in us. So perhaps um, if you're able and uh, still awake and not too freezing, because I think the heating's not working, um, you might like to stand um, and we'll just pray together and then um, we can worship together. Uh, one thing that I have fully plagiarised from Spring Harvest is uh, this prayer and um, I should have known it because I grew up in a Methodist chapel and um, every year the Methodists have a servant called service called a covenant service and it's when they renew their, their promise to God so it's when they say to God I don't want to just be in a casual relationship with you this is a, a committed relationship and this is what they say and perhaps um, as I read these words you might like to repeat them in your heart um, you might like to dwell on them you might like to meditate on them for a moment it says this I am no longer my own but yours put me to what you will rank me with whom you will put me to doing put me to suffering let me be employed for you or laid aside for you exalted for you or brought low for you let me be full let me be empty let me have all things let me have nothing I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. Lord, have your way in each of us this evening. Lord, help us surrender the control that we might harbour, that we can have any say over the, our life that we can have any influence on the matters of life and death Lord you are the author of life and death and, um, and all things are yours Lord and help us to give them back to you Lord help us to release our control, our pride our grief, our anguish our hopes, our fears our destinies, our mornings our evenings, all of our time back to you Lord God we want you, God, to have your way through us uh, in this church, as individuals, in this city, and as a, as a body of Christ across the world. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.